Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Hollywood and Wine, a podcast hosted by four guys who love the entertainment industry almost as much as they love complaining about it. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about a few topics, and uh, I'm pretty keen to get straight into things. Uh, firstly, uh, thanks for tuning back in again, and I should also mention this podcast is hosted or presented to you by even um, Geeks, uh, which is another podcast which we also do here at We Are Tessellate. So check out those other podcasts while you can. Uh, just recently, I do believe we uh, did uh, a few uh, special uh, podcasts on various directors and films. So uh, go to the website, check it out, and uh, yeah. Uh, so my name's Adrian Ald or Adrian. Should I yeah, last fine, names? Fine, last fine. names are fine, it's aren't fine. they? Fine. And it's a, it's a nice one. Uh, to my uh, left, uh, we have the lovely Lucas Gansmo. It's it's Luke. No, no, uh, I think Lucas is good. Uh, I think Lucas yeah. sounds more artistic. <laughs> <laughs> um, hi, what's up? Pushing me, he's pushing me back from the mic physically. Uh, just we don't want you popping too, too much. It's a little bit hot mic right here. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, next to, to Lucas, we have, of course, the uh, lovely BJ Lyles. BJ, back again. How's it going, everyone? <laughs> That's going to stick, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> Got to throw up. <laughs> and, uh, and Jacob, he's lost it, though. Yeah, no, I'm okay. Uh, no, no, I'm okay. <laughs> BJ, back at it again. <laughs> oh, those dulcet tones. All right. Uh, so first up, as I said, uh, let's talk about South by Southwest. Um, obviously, the big news coming out of that, uh, you've got Baby Driver premiering slash reviews for that one. And Song to Song, uh, which doesn't sound like it's going too well. With I'm going to see it. I'm excited. With a 40% <laughs> yeah. tomato meter reading, uh, rating. Is that, is that what it's called, a tomato meter? Yeah, it's, it's called the tomato meter. Or, oh, sorry, that's why it doesn't sound good meter. in my accent. The tomato meter. But yeah, that's why it doesn't sound right. Because <laughs> I'm like, tomato meter? The, the tomatometer. Yeah. Oh, did, that's good. Did Christian Bale get completely cut out of Song to Song? Yes. As did Benicio Del Toro. Did he? Yeah. They both did. Kind of okay. like Adrian well, Brody. And, Adrian Brody went Thin hilarious. Red Line, yeah. Well, yeah, tell that story. Adrian Brody filmed The Thin Red Line. Did he think it was going to be his big break? It was well, he lead. was. So he was, yeah, he he was, was the, the star of the movie. And then he showed up to the but premiere. But he was literally doing press yeah. in the months in advance. Like He was on the cover of, I think, like Vanity Fair, mm-hmm. like Oscar contenders. Yeah. And then, and then he, he showed up, up to the was... premiere and he wasn't in the movie. Yeah. Anyway, that's one of Terrence Malick's previous films, th- uh, Thin Red Line. And... So the, the, an important thing about Song to Song is that one of the, rev- one of the reviews mentioned that, uh, or I guess a couple of the reviews have mentioned that uh, he, his first film, I can't remember the name of it, do you remember? Badlands. Yeah, so Badlands. He made Badlands, then he took a... 1978. Over 20-year break. No, he did... Um, okay, sorry. Days of Thunder. Thank you. And no. he took a break. What? He didn't do Days of he Thunder. He didn't do Days You're of Thunder. You're out of your mind. He didn't Not do Days, Days of Thunder. Thunder. Um, That's Tony Scott. He did... He did uh, no, he... He didn't do Days of Thunder. He did. He, no, no, he, no. What did he do after Badlands? It's not Days of Thunder, but he did something Any, uh, Anyway, here's the important thing. He did either one or two films, and then took an over 20-year break... And then came back with a thin red line, and then made a slew of films that have peep critics have started to feel as if they've become more and more meandering. Days of Heaven. Thank you. Sorry, it was so close to Days of Thunder. <laughs> um, but critics have felt like they've started more be, to be a more and more meandering, uh, lacking substance and points. Uh, and his because the thing is, as a director, his vision is is very clear. He's got a really clear style, and it's very interesting to watch. But his uh, movies are also beautiful. Yeah. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. And then song to song, you can tell from the trailer it's going to be a classic Terrence Malick movie. Well, like of the last four years, right. Terrence Malick, yeah. right? Like 
Anyway, the cast it's for Tree this of Life. is well, like is Tree Terrence of Life? Malick like what's going on? Because it's four decades and four movies, and then it's five movies in three years or something like that. That's what they're saying. And you're, so, so sorry, the point like, that I was making is that a lot of reviews are saying maybe he should take another decade off yeah. uh, and come back, revamp. Well, uh, I think the whole the whole thing is is he's getting old. You know what I mean? Isn't isn't that isn't that what's happening? Yeah, no, he's so just Scorsese. Well, but. but the thing is, what Lucas kind of I think bringing up is that he's spitting out films at a very high rate. Right? Maybe which needs means to take a minute. For instance, there's some of the press that they've been doing f- to talk about uh, song to song. They're mentioning that there was basically no script. Most of it is improvised, um, which is tough stylistically for a director like Terrence Malick, where there's so because what ends up happening is that so much of the film. Or so I've heard, because obviously I, we aren't at South by South. We didn't see it at South by Southwest. Uh, is voiceover and then just these beautiful shots of Austin. But one of the main critiques is that it's just another meditation on incredibly rich people with like very inaccessible issues. So like, there's all these shots of like the most expensive floor to ceiling windowed houses in Austin, uh, where like people who don't. You don't really see what they do for their money, but like someone is paying for all these lavish parties they're having in the music industry. So I think that the film, it's, it appears, is inaccessible to a lot of people. I mean, I, I, of course, we're yet to see it, but I, I mean, is he commenting on that world? Is he commenting on, on the rich and the wealthy and, and perhaps the lack I mean, of therein? It, it, appears, it appears if he were, then either all of the reviewers missed it or he isn't. Right. So it's right. probably, like, friends, I had the same issue with Easy. Which is the um, it's Swanberg? Joe Swanberg. Yeah, it's the Swanberg show on Netflix. That sometimes I felt like there was, it was like a very, except for the first episode, which I loved. Uh, or the, no, sorry, the second episode, which I loved. It was a very rich view at Chicago. And right. I felt like it was a little bit inaccessible at times for a very poor person like me. I thought Easy was great, but really quick, um, Terrence Malick, because so because Tree of Life I thought was good. Yeah, I, I love Tree of Life. I love that was Tree nominated of Life. for best picture I think. Yeah. Yeah. And then he did To the Wonder which was a little I still enjoyed it but it's but meandering. It might be more meander. like the cinematography because it's Emmanuel Lebisky who does Who's, all of his movies. All of his movies, yeah. Um and then he did Knights of Cups or Knight of Cups. Yeah, it was the other way. Which is closer to song song to song. Like I think those are similar. Right. Which I didn't and the one I didn't see though was Voyage of Time. But from what I've heard that's just like an art. That's the IMAX. Yeah. That's the IMAX one, right? Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, I think he's a genius. Uh, I don't know what he's doing, but I've been like, he's a Rhodes Scholar. He went to Harvard. Like, I he, mean, I in all fairness, that doesn't have anything to do with whether or not you could be skilled. Totally. Making totally. great movies continuously. Obviously, yeah. But what I'm saying is, I'm not. He's not just pumping out movies for the hell of it. There's some reason behind these movies that he's making, and the fact that they are all following a very similar vein. There's something that he's trying to say. Unfortunately, he's such a recluse where he won't go into interviews and talk about that. But I almost respect that a little bit more where it's like he, uh, doesn't, yeah. he doesn't care. It's like, like Stanley I'm going to make the movie I want to yeah. make. Like Kubrick didn't do an interview or get his picture taken for like 30 years. And his movies are always polarizing where yeah. his movies are you either love them or you hate them. Right. Yeah, and, I, I, and I think there's going to be like there's always a backlash of a movie that does really well and then people start hating it. I think I wouldn't doubt if there's an opposite effect with this where it gets crushed coming out of South by Southwest and then suddenly – in a year or so, they're talking about how this is an amazing movie. Like well, it finds its audience. I mean, for me, I mean, go, you go, Brian. No, I was just going to comment on that. Um, you know, David Fincher, one of my favorite directors, always says you can never really judge how well a movie is going to 
uh, stay with the consciousness of American public until seven years after it's been out. Yeah, can we just say Crash won Best Picture? So it's like so uh, s- movies. Hold up, though. Give hold it seven up. years. Well, I mean, broke back is garbage. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just, kidding just kidding. Crash should not have won. Um, I mean, yeah, for me, Malik, he's one of my favorite directors. I really love his like everything about like how he, how he favors that sort of poetic visuals over you know you know necessarily like coherent storyline you know what i mean I, I love the experience of being left with an experience that, a feeling or uh, an understanding of something in a deeper way than necessarily understanding what's happening in a linear sense but i think i'm one of the few i think there's a lot of people who go to a movie expecting to have a story told to them and when they're not they get upset or they feel ripped off yeah you know this is just a funny little side thing do you know what terrence malick's favorite movie is i remember hearing this a while ago what Zoolander <laughs> and he literally like I mean, there was something because a while ago like someone one of his friends got Ben Stiller to dress up as Zoolander and record like a happy birthday message for him for his birth for Terrence Malick's birthday because <laughs> yeah, that's, that's like a, his favorite movie that's like Werner Herzog is hilarious Werner Herzog's amazing like it, yeah. but like not the kind of person you'd think would like show up as a guest star on, on like Parks. yeah like right, n- right. did not see that coming but he's really funny on the flip side of that, I could not be more excited for Baby Driver after seeing the trailer, especially the international trailer, which I think is a better trailer. Oh, I didn't watch that one yet. Um, Edgar Wright, who's all, all of his previous movies have been great. And I talked opinion. about him last week. Yeah. Um, the way he uses music and his kinetic entity uh, and the way he does action. And this movie, from what I've heard, is his best movie he's made. Um, this is what he decided to do when he pulled out of Ant-Man. Which I'm glad he did. So uh, this is all. Out of that. Who did that? Instead? You can you can see that the one scene that Edgar Wright that they left of his in there is the the fight in Ant Man in the child's mm-hmm. bedroom. That's the scene that they 100. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's you can Edgar imagine if Edgar Wright had directed that scene, that would have right. been amazing. And it, it seems to me like the plot line arrives. You know, it's kind of like Drive, where it's this guy who who's a, a driver for hire, right? But he has this condition where he has this buzzing in his head, and to cloud that out, he has a playlist that he listens to while he's driving. So you know that there's going to be some awesome music cues and uh, kinetic, you know, editing and action in this movie. So I'm pumped. I think some of the. Oh, sorry. No, no, I talked a lot. Go ahead. I just the trailer because I like Edgar Wright and I like most of the people in that movie, and I I'll excited. I'll see it. It's something about it. It just it didn't. There's so much hype around it right now. Did and you see the international was, trailer? Yes, that's yeah. actually the one I watched. I didn't watch the the regular one. ones. Um, but like, J- first of all, like Jamie Foxx's character in it. Like, did you see? Um, uh, yes, yes, horrible bosses. Horrible. Doesn't it feel like it's the exact same character as yes. horrible bosses? Yeah, but in all fairness, like, like that's he, what the trailer felt like to me. But he does that like <laughs> does really well. He does it really I, well. But I'm just saying, horrible bosses, which is a fine movie. It's a fine comedy, like a summer comedy movie. It is. That's what the trailer felt like to me. Well, I think that. Not saying you can judge I, a movie based on the trailer, but I'm just saying I would I would be shocked if this actually is his or if this is the movie of his that I like the most because I think if anything it is the most straightforward plot line of all of his movies. Um, it seems like it's just kind of your average driver who's in too deep, wants to leave for the girl, has to pull one last job to get out with her, and then pulls that job. So it's like in terms of I'm not obviously. Edgar Wright is a genius. Right. So it's the same way I feel about Villeneuve, that he takes your regular, your standard, pretty much cookie-cutter story and then turns it into something that you never expected. Right. Well, you're also judging it based on the trailer, but also the word out of South by Southwest is this movie's amazing. No, but I'm judging, but like the the plot description that I'm right. going right, is right, off right, of one right. of the reviews talks about how like it is a pretty standard, like we'll a standard see. story. But we'll see. if anyone's going to make a standard 
I I take a standard movie. original Edgar Wright movie over Ant Man any day. But that's also but Baby Driver is a movie that is made for South by Southwest. Like I'd be curious to see what the reaction would be for something like that come out of like a Sundance or a mm-hmm. a Telluride or a Venice or something like that. Like South by Southwest is known for fun. It's comedy. It's where Trainwreck premiered. It's that's what it's known for. So which on the counterpoint, why I'm not surprised that song to song doesn't do that well at that festival. It's a yeah. fun comedy music movie festival. Totally. It's at the beginning of the year. It's light. It's no, just at the no, no. end of the real uh, festival hold, hold season. Up, hold up, though, because it's about song to song premieres should have because done it's well. at South by Southwest. But it is talking not a about funny. It's not a fun movie just because yeah. it preme- just because it filmed at South by Southwest. No, 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 no. It's about the Austin music scene. So I like, get, I get that, but it's not a light movie. No, I which know, is but what if the it's South by Southwest is right. But the counterpoint to that is that it this it should have done well at South by Southwest, even. Feelings aside, it's it, if it's going to hit one crowd really well, it's that actually be. knows what it's is going on. It should be the Austin. But let's music be fair scene. to the counterpoint of your counterpoint, which is that <laughs> it did poorly critically. Which these critics that we're hearing from, they're not Austin critics. It's New York Times, it's Washington Post, it's L.A. Times, it's Variety, it's Deadline. It's not people who are engraved in the Austin. But wait music a second, scene. Luke. Wait, but did what you, do you just mean? counterpoint your own counterpoint? I counterpoint. Another <laughs> counterpoint? But hold on, let me because counterpoint that. You were saying, I'm yeah, you saying. also just said that. So if the critics didn't like it, would the critics have then liked it if the atmosphere were different? I'm saying. What, what I'm saying that <laughs> South by Southwest, you can't disagree. It is a music comedy festival. That is what it is for. But now, which we're is why the, Baby Driver does well there. But now we're on to you saying the the critics didn't like Song to Song. But yeah, Song to Song premiered at in Austin. And, and but I'm saying critics are going there every year, going, okay, what's the next train wreck going to be this year? What's the next okay. comedy? What's the next? So TV you are saying that atmospherically, had it premiered at Cannes, where a sappier film might premiere and do really, really well. I bet if it premiered at Cannes, we'd be reading about how people were applauding and standing on their feet. I'd say so, too. And, and cheering, because every movie that Terrence Malick has that it premiered at Cannes, I'm pretty sure it's won the Palme d'Or. I mean, for for a, like for lack of a better term, I mean... Which is the award that you win at Cannes, for those of you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But Ma- Malick's style is what I'd call very European, comparatively speaking to a lot of American directors. You know, like... It, for me, it does appeal to that European eye in terms of um, you know the viewer. So you think that the critics would be that influenced? I think it would get a better reception at Cannes than it did at South by Southwest. I agree. I, I think agree that's too. what we're getting to. I guess that was the point I made, but I agree to my yeah, point. But but <laughs> but the last thing is that if it is if it is just a bad movie, then it's going to be movie. Then it's, it's going to be a bad, be a bad movie. movie. Like Sea of Trees yeah. had a but I'm shame saying, load of buzz. But what I'm saying though is that Baby Driver, right, meant is for South getting, by Southwest. is getting yes. a much larger review just because it was there. Right. Well, it's like premiering, you know. If they premiere Spider Man at Comic Con, right? If, when they drop a Suicide Squad trailer yeah. at Comic Con, it's going to. That's what I'm saying. Blow I just up. want us to step back from it because no, I feel like right. there was so much excitement about this movie over the last couple of days, and I watched the trailer and I was like, "Looks good. I'll definitely see it. I'm sure it'll be good, but I'm, it's not like amazing." Cool I got poster. a yeah, cool poster. I got a Scott Pilgrim vibe from it, so I really love that movie as well. So we'll see what happens. I could do with less Ansel Elgort. Ansel Elgort. He's, He's the star. star. Oh, okay. What was I'm he in? not a huge fan. He was Men, in Men, Women, Star- and Children. He was in The Fault in Our Stars. <laughs> oh. Uh, and he was also... Is he in The spect? I don't think he's in The spect. I didn't know. Right? I didn't see Fault of Our Stars. The Fault in Our not- Stars, is that the one... It's the cancer one. 
Yeah. I didn't see that because I'm not 14. Hold oh, up, I, I hold up, hold up. Shailene Woodley, fantastic in that movie. Yeah, apparently it's excellent. I um, seen it she's fantastic. Also in Big Little Lies, which everyone should watch because it's I'm really that. fucking good. All right, well, so speaking of um, um, not-so-great premieres, uh, let's switch over to television. Or, or Is it television? I mean, uh, yeah. is it television yeah, yeah. or is Netflix television? It's TV. It's TV, technically. It's that, yeah, well, it's, you There's going to be a term that'll come about for Someday. online stuff, right? Or are we just going to continue They call it, it SVOD. SVOD? SVOD. Streaming video on demand. Oh, I hate that. That's re- that's, that's what they guys, call it. That's what they call hey guys, it. Guys, you want to go watch some SVOD? No, like that's what they call it in the. Okay, all right. <laughs> what the that's fuck fair. are you talking no, about? But, there. <laughs> thank that's you. Fair. Thank you though. But I you're welcome. No, no, no. That's fine. I hate uh, it too. Um, so uh, Iron Fist is is the point really. Um, Netflix's first real failure. Yeah, like first um, major failure. It like, got panned big time, huh? Yeah. Here's well, just straight up boring. And they had the the and then um, oh, fuck, uh, Finn Jones, who's the star from he's from Game of Thrones, uh, he did. That um, really shitty defense where he was like, well, it's not for the critics, it's for the fans. But, like, that's an insult. If it's a shit show, fans shouldn't have to accept Is it on shit. Netflix? Yeah. Oh, okay. it's, so it, it also, theoretically, it could put the defenders in trouble. because So the, um, the first one that dropped on Netflix is Daredevil. Then Jessica Jones, then Luke Cage, then Iron Fist. And the four of them together formed the defenders, which will then be its own show on Netflix, followed then by The Punisher. Um, which is John Barenthal. So and he appears in both Jessica in Daredevil. Jones no, no, no. And, oh, in Daredevil. Just appears in Daredevil. Oh, I thought he appeared. The in Jessica Punisher. Jones the, too. No, no. So Jessica. So what links them all together is Rosario Dawson's character, who I can't remember what her name is. She's like in all of them. Something. Yeah. Oh, she's great. Yeah, she's really great. They're basically doing with with these TV characters what they did with the Avengers. Is they're introducing yeah. them all one by well, one and, and then joining them all together. And like what the CW is doing right now, which is really smart. They're introducing all these superhero characters from DC and they're bringing them all together. Um, yeah. Like a bunch of crossover episodes, but the the interesting thing about Netflix and about the Defenders and their, the Hell's Kitchen series, which is what it's, I think it's called, yeah. um, is that Daredevil set itself apart from being a re- pretty standard show by having that one really fucking good fight scene, which I felt was just kind of like a rip off of Old Boy, but that's a different topic. Uh, and then Jessica Jones was a really good show centered entirely around um, how a survivor of sexual assault and a really good way of looking at women in power. And then Luke Cage was a really successful representation of um like a black superhero living a specifically black life and had incredible performances um by now oscar winner mahershal ali and mike coulter who's amazing and then it appears that finn jones or sorry um iron fist just does nothing which to brian's point earlier was just boring boring um and it's that and it apparently runs the same trope that people have a problem with constantly with ant-man the matrix where you have a, a relatively unskilled man who gets trained by a woman and why isn't the woman just the chosen one the whole time? So there's this amazing performance by Colleen something, I think is her name. Um, and apparently she's Something's like, her last name? Yes, it's Colleen something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, I, I think the, the problem is that the show can never do is it's criminal here's boring. the thing that i find interesting about this story it's the fact that netflix is sitting here going okay nobody likes iron fist who gives a shit because we don't care about ratings everyone's still subscribing for all of our other shows so it doesn't matter to them they've already spent the money the shows are gonna be well, netflix doesn't care about anything yeah so it's not like it's abc where they put all this money into a show and now no one's watching so they don't get the advertising dollars it's also their first high profile failure which means that They've also probably had a ton of low-profile failures. They've had a bunch of failures. They've dropped shows that don't... They, yeah. they, they gave a shitload of money to Adam Sandler. Yeah. Those do really well, though. 
They're saying that they do. <laughs> yeah, we don't know. No, we, they do really well. How do you know? Because He's seen the file. No, no, no. He has access to the files. I know. I know. I'm not going to say a name. I know someone who works at Netflix. Those movies do really well, and the reason they do so well is not that they're good. They're not great. The reason they do well is because the people who go on Netflix, they see that banner. That's a banner that people click on, and they do well. Yeah, it's actually they really interesting. Well. They, they they change the banners depending on they to test yeah. who clicks on stuff. So they do. Gilmore Girls that. has a picture of Milo Ventimiglia. Even yeah, though he's not one of the Gilmore Girls because of This Is Us. People click it more. Right. No, it was actually before This Is Us. Oh, really? Is when I started watching Gilmore Girls, which was a couple months ago. I mean, it's also. Are we talking about like in terms of how many people view the film? Because the thing about Netflix is you can watch 15 minutes of it, and is that classified as a viewing of the film? Jacob, stop eating. Also, it sits... <laughs> He's chewing slowly into the microphone. I think, I think you're not allowed to eat as you... You're not allowed to speak as you eat. Also, I mean, they, they you, sit mom? up there. They sit. You can click on one thing, and it just sits up in, in the top of your yet-to-finish viewing thing. I'm sure they can tell that. I'm sure they can and know so when people, people finish and, the actual but thing. It's the same, but it's the same issue with Amazon, where you can't... You, you know, it's hard to trust these, these metrics, like... You know, Amazon initially pretended like they were, um, they would release like five, they released like five pilots at a time, and then it'd be like, whichever one you guys watch, that's the show that will release. But it's like when they drop Transparent, they're not going to not show Transparent. So they're going to pretend like no. everyone watched it. Same thing with like, there's a big controversy with Good Girls Revolt, which was just recently canceled because there was a big fan base and the people behind the show were like, if people were watching this, like, wh- why are you canceling this? And they were like, oh, the data doesn't match it. So don't really Well, know. just because it has a fan base doesn't mean it's a big fan no, base. No, but, but what I'm saying is that, like, it's it's tough. We don't really know how they measure a sure. success. Sure, Which yeah. goes to show that, it just, and you're right, it doesn't fucking matter at all that Iron Fist failed. Right. Because Netflix has so much money, and they're just throwing it around. And is yeah. it, I mean, in terms of the actual, like, Iron Fist nothing happening thing, I mean, is it, like, the slow burn sort of thing with the, the, I the ha- superhero? I'd have to like, is it faithful to the comic? So I guess that's the question, right? What it apparently is is, like, a ton of boardroom drama, but, like, not interesting boardroom drama. Right. And then the fight scenes aren't as good as Daredevil, which is the standard that they've set. And then he's apparently just not, like, an interesting character. Like, Danny Rand is not interesting. Right. Which so commits the crime of being criminally boring just in general cool um well i guess also so people yeah. are watching this stuff you know potentially expecting a superhero movie but, and maybe it's not that no i think that people come to these shows now with there being three successful ones and they've all three had the exact same formula. issues issues oh. and the formula. formula the formula is the same which comes with the same issue that the middle always drags it does yeah so Se- the, season two of daredevil i didn't I finish watching it i was like yeah i'm done i didn't start it um because i thought the first season of daredevil was like Great. Kind of, well, uh, yeah. I, I thought it was like okay, um, but they oh, even Jessica Jones, which I loved, and Luke Cage, they dragged in the middle, and I think yeah. Arian Fist just drags the whole fucking time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I liked Easy. <laughs> On to the next one. Yeah, I know. I said it was. I said it was. It was fine. <laughs> I just don't give a, a shit about any of Netflix superhero stuff. No, I don't. Because either. I don't think that's what Netflix should be doing. Why not? What do you think? It should I think be doing? Netflix should be doing is character driven stuff for niche audiences, which is like what streaming can do. But because streaming can make a show for a very specific audience, because because it doesn't matter if they have more than a few million viewers. But for But don't it. you think? Don't you think like that's kind of what they're doing with their superhero stuff? Like versus what they do in the movies? Like the character of the superhero in this stuff kind of drives the story a bit. I least. just generally don't care about superhero movies, so but I'm biased and I just want to move on from it. But now I realize I've opened up a can of worms, <laughs> and Jacob wants to get in an argument. Here we go. Well, no, why? just just just, not, just not. really quickly. 
they can't just make things for a niche audience because then no one. I would know that subscribe. they can, but they. Well, no, people would continue to subscribe. No, if people not continue to subscribe. Yes, they would. No, not if they ju- if they do what you want. People had ju- they had seventy million subscribers before they dropped Daredevil, Daredevil or Jessica Jones because they had a bunch of movies, but which gonna, they don't have. Anymore. They're going to lose all of those movies because studios don't want to give stuff to Netflix anymore because Netflix is now a competing studio. But That's now true. Netflix is. It doesn't matter. They don't need movies from studios anymore. They go to Sundance and buy a movie for twelve million dollars, and they now own it. I know, but I don't understand. But I feel like you're not understanding my point. My point <laughs> is that if you, if what you want Netflix to do, which what you just said, is release niche stuff. If they did that, if they just did that, and they didn't have this superhero stuff, which brings in a shitload of people, a shitload of subscribers who are here. But I'm saying those subscribers the- were there before Daredevil got there. You don't know that. Subscriber base is the one thing that Netflix has always released, and it's always been massively high before Daredevil was there. That's a fact. It was 15 million viewer subscribers a couple years ago. So you think if they did, never did these superhero things, nothing would have changed? No, I just I think that I don't give a shit about Iron Fist. I don't give a shit about Daredevil. I don't give a shit about Jessica Jones. And I care about Easy. I care about Master of None. But I care that's about you. And therefore, Netflix. <laughs> chewing gum. That's I care about. just you. And therefore, Netflix should not right. be making it. Netflix should be I the think Luke that I think company. that every single movie studio and television station and streaming service should make only movies and television shows that I'm interested in. <laughs> Continue on. <laughs> Excellent. All right. It's a good, so good place to end it. Uh, leftovers. Uh, there's a leftovers trailer. Oh. Brian, I know you know a little bit about this. So lead us in here. Talk to us. Okay. So the leftovers is one of my favorite television shows that is currently airing on TV. Yeah. Great. Um, it is uh, the showrunner is Damon Lindelof, who created Lost or helped create Lost and run that ran that show, uh, the full run. Um, it's a very dark show. The bleakest fucking show on uh, TV. It, but it's it's the best acted and most mysterious show that's on TV. What's interested me the most about this show is season one, I would give it like a seven. Yeah, I was going to say a seven. Maybe, um, but it kept my interest. And then something amazing happened in season two. Hard ten. I've never seen a show jump in quality so high from season one to season two. They course corrected so well. And season two is like the best thing I saw that wasn't a movie last year. And and how do we access this? What, what? HBO. It's on HBO. Okay. So if you want to know, so what the Leftovers is about, really, really simply, it's not a spoiler. It starts, uh, what is it? One third of the population, I think. Mm. Something like one that. One third yeah. of the population just disappears. Um, they disappear without any explanation, and then it sort of sets all of these events into motion where everyone is just super fucked up from this thing that, you know, some people turn to faith, some people turn to depression, some people turn to this other stuff and it follows um a certain just like a group of characters who are all experiencing this and dealing with it in a different all way. in the same town exactly all in the same town and then season two jumps to um like this other town where no one disappeared and so people and then, have taken to this place to be like oh this is the holy land right it's like mecca they go to mecca but obviously just like every paradise something is fucked up about it i got to so, watch this it's so good it's and so well done and like the acting is just so fucking good it's got um justin, justin Thoreau, Ch- carrie coon the second season has regina king the first season christopher eccleston um, it's amazing, and the I what, don't know anyone else. Uh, I don't remember their names? So this is the last season coming up, and yep. then they're going to be done. Which is how, which is how I think it should be. TV shows should do this. Yeah. Now they should go by the British system, which is just like three seasons, 
couple episodes each. But if you were a fan of Lost like I was and you know every fifth episode or something, something would happen and your jaw would drop and you'd be like, what the fuck? Season two of Leftovers happens almost every episode. And Regina King and Carrie Coon should have been nominated for Emmys. Yeah. But for Lost, didn't they like write themselves into a hole where they everybody did. got confused and was they like, did. oh, I don't know anymore. Except for me, I loved everything but about it. But this one doesn't do that. And this one has a central mystery in, in season two. that you, it, it's, it's amazing. I can't recommend it enough. Uh, so I'm really psyched for season three. I think it drops one April. I don't know, but I'm gonna fucking just watch it. Be so excited! Yeah, it's gonna be amazing. Um, I, and the, the trailer is great. So disturbing <laughs> and like again, deeply unsettling. Yeah. It's so good. Um, yeah, a lot of the episodes are directed by Patty Jenkins, who is one of my favorite female directors. I forgot to mention last week, she did a lot of the Breaking Bad episodes, and she's doing the new Wonder Woman movie. So mm. um, oh, very cool. Yeah, Prayers. very great director. We can talk about Wonder Woman for a second too. Sure, that's a good segue. Um, the Wonder another Wonder Woman trailer dropped. Um, I just am praying that it's a really good movie. It's got good people in it, like Gal Gadot. I've heard is great as Wonder Woman. She is. And then I love Chris Pine and everything that Chris Pine does. Um, Robin Wright is in it. Yeah, it's um, gonna be great. Jacob's a big Passengers fan. Just thought I should put that out there. Right. Passengers. Who's it? Did I mention something about passengers? Are you trying to Ghostbusters me? You said Chris Pratt. No, I said Chris Pine. I misheard. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I think you said Chris Pratt. I successfully said Chris Pine. The great thing about it being a podcast, we can check is that the tape. We can listen to it. Yep. And find out. And I think you'll find that I was correct. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, I think. So anyway, it's it's no sorry. No, everyone's basically saying, all right, DC. You, you got one more shot here. It's true. You got this is going to be it. Make and or break and, it. And they're bleeding because Affleck's gone from Batman, doesn't want to direct it anymore. Um, he's still going to be Batman, though. Right, he's, he's still Batman, but... They got the guy from Planet of the Apes to go direct that now. Oh, yeah. that, that's good. That's a good uh, choice. Least, Matt Reeves. Good choice, yeah. At least they got a guy. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. That was a joke. Um, so, yeah. Wonder Woman trailer dropped. Everyone's really psyched. Um, yeah. But worried. But also watch also the very worried. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, and watch The Leftovers. All right, so uh, in terms of news this week, uh, Sony has set Girl with a Dragon Tattoo sequel. It's going to be debuting in 2018, and uh, it's going to be opposite Aquaman. Mm. Thoughts, feelings? hate this idea. Me too. I don't understand why they're doing it at all. Money. Because it's an existing IP. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Money. I just, you, you know what's funny is like, because I was reading that they said, that Natalie Portman and Scarlett Johansson were interested and I'm like I'm pretty sure they were interested the first time around when David Fincher did it and then they casted Rooney Mara I don't think anyone's going to want to do it this time around especially when because here's my thing Are, is Sony hoping that Rooney Mara and David Fincher will come back to do their version because why would they just skip the other two books to go for the final one because they're not doing Girl Kick the Hornet's Nest it's really weird what they're doing okay they did the first there's, there's five books in the series well so but really quickly first Stieg Larsson, who wrote, I, I'm not sure if it's the first three. Yes, he first wrote, three. But I think he wrote two, and the third one is a manuscript that he didn't finish, but his ex-girlfriend owned the rights and no. released it. That's then it's the fourth one. I I think his ex-girlfriend released one of his one of the books that wasn't okay. done. Regardless, either, why, are either way, skipping, other way, why are they skipping his other two books? Well, they probably realized that the one that they made wasn't as good as the, um, oh God, what is her name? The original. Yeah, I thought. I still was. thought the one. I thought the David Fincher version was great. One of the, that's why it's, I love that movie. <laughs> I thought Rooney Mara was great. I thought 
Yeah. I thought it was perfect. And here's my issue with this movie is it's the director. The director is is Fede Fede Alvarez. Uh, he directed Don't Breathe, which was a one of the most successful horror movies of last year. I highly recommend it. It's batshit crazy. But what it's interesting. It is. It's batshit crazy weird. and awesome. Um, but the, the thing the, that pissed me the off fight in the car with the dog is one of the best scenes. Yeah. The thing that pissed me off sure. about it though was when I was watching it, I'm a huge David Fincher fan. Like to the point where I watch his directing style and all Alvarez is doing is copying that. I mean, literally down to the characters in this look exactly like the characters of Panic Room. The one guy even has cornrows. I mean, it's exactly Panic Room. And so for them to go where this guy to pick up where Fincher left off, you could just see them just trying to copy that style. Why they did it, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. But it makes sense. It kind of goes back to it literally goes back to what I was talking about last week, how this is how women don't get into the business. Is because this is a dude who just knows Fincher. So it's just like, oh, that guy reminds us of David Fincher. So we'll right. just use him. Right. So that's how, like, you know. Anyway. Cool. Totally. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I guess it's also the reason why a lot of people don't get into the industry regardless. Well, they've got what? But it, they well, go, it's across the board. Producers, directors, actors. Yeah. You know, whatever. They go with what they know. Bankable. And there's no cast yet either. So that's a big yeah, question I mean, mark well, for with me. With Rooney Mara not being... Attached. I mean, is it a different she, character or same character? Same character. Same character. She's just she wouldn't do it unless Fincher was in, and Fincher and them couldn't so come to agreement. Why are they doing this? Why didn't they dump it? Fincher wanted to do the second one, and he wanted to do what he wanted to do was the next two in a row in a block, so that they could film them both back to back, and so that Rooney couldn't didn't have to do all the piercings and yada yada yada, and they didn't want to pony up the money for that because of they they thought that the first one underperformed. They're good too. The books are good. Oh, they're really interesting. Did you see the and also Daniel Craig's versions? What is her fucking name? Rooney Mara. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Rooney, Rooney Mara. Sorry, that's what it was. Um, fuck. Brian's gonna look it up. We should move on to something else for a second. Great chat. All right. Um, and uh, next on the news, we have got Logan. Uh, it has an it's an R-rated film. Everybody. Um, big news. Big news. It's, it's an R-rated film. Uh, I, I mean, I haven't heard anything but good things about Logan to be honest it's it's like the art house superhero film Numi Jacob Ra- has something to say Numi Rapace <laughs> that's her Sorry, name do you want to go again? Numi Rapace is the name of the woman who is in the original Girl with the Dragon Tattoo series and it's what made her Famous. a star in America as well it's actually gotten the Sherlock Holmes Cool. Movies and then Prometheus, blah, blah, blah. Sorry. Uh, big news that Logan, it's an R-rated movie that's a success. I love this news story just because I'm ready for the tide to turn. I'm so sick of PG-13 movies where, you know, we're fighting robots, so there's no blood, and right, it's all right. CGI. Give me some drama. Give me something risky. Give me, give me, put me on the edge of my seat. Give me something a little more adult, and I think that's what Logan tried to do, and I think Deadpool opened the door for that by being a very successful R-rated movie last year in and February. And good. And good. So I haven't seen Logan yet. I don't think no, any no, of us have. No, not yet. Not yet. We will be seeing it. But I mean, they're both very successful, Logan and Deadpool. Yeah, huge. And R-rated. Did and I think, the th- I think the reason for that, and the reason I'm interested in them, and why I think they're getting a big audience for that too, is because you draw someone like me in who wouldn't be interested in a superhero movie like that. It's because these movies don't aren't about, oh, and I haven't seen Logan. But Deadpool isn't about Deadpool saving the world it's right. about him getting his girlfriend back and from all i can tell logan is about a story about a father and his daughter like it's character well, well, stories within right. a superhero the- universe it's like theoretically it's like that takes the trope of a father and daughter right right it's not yes. i'm just saying it's not i'm saying it's i don't it's not his daughter 
judging regardless by the trailers. Fo- but okay. it's, yeah, right. it's that father daughter agreeing. It's yeah. boyfriend girlfriend. It's real life character issues, which is what makes the movie far more interesting. Within the the context of universe, of a superhero, of a superhero, superhero yeah. world, it doesn't yeah. have to be him saving the world. It but can in be all f- about something a lot smaller. But in all fairness, those we only have the opportunity to see those kind of movies because of all the setup that we've seen. Yeah. Okay. It's just for me, I, I just, this is exciting for me just because when I was growing up, I always watched, you know, movies like Pulp Fiction and Fight Club and right. all these R-rated movies that don't get made anymore. Uh, these mid-range R-rated movies for adults. And maybe this is a, maybe a tide starting to turn towards that where people can be like, oh, so you, these are successful. It's like the, the I know the turning during the like the the late 60s early 70s right. again where, right where there's a desire for like that rougher feel rougher uh, yeah more grounded in reality exactly kind of i'm excited for that so it's good news i think it's also really good that really good movies are coming out at this time of year because movies that are coming out now are getting some oscar buzz and we need good movies to come out during the entire year please like it's cannot stress enough that it's complete horseshit that they only come out at the end of the well, year. Well, 2017 already, we've had John Wick, uh, Get Out, Get Out, Logan. Um, that's three huge movies before Theoretically, April. if we're wrong about Song to Song, Song to Song opens this weekend, so yeah. that could still be an Oscar contender. Cool, so it's good so, news. Good and news. Baby Driver premiered, but it's not, when does it, it doesn't open until August. August, August okay. yeah. So that's still, it doesn't look like an Oscar movie, but like... Yeah. By the way, it's, it's fucking weird that we released a King Kong movie in March. Like yeah, the last one came it's out not doing Christmas. Well. Yeah, but do you know well. it's not doing well? Yeah, I thought it was doing amazing. Well, no. it, it won the box office, but it's it's gonna have to fight to make its money back. Yeah, because well, it was a yeah, big budget. It's, it's it's which is an issue if they're setting up this whole Kong Godzilla universe. If it's barely making its money back, I don't know how that's gonna work. Right, right. Cool. So, uh, so we're, also we've got uh, the disaster artist early Oscar contender. Ah, yes, The Disaster Artist. I was like, what is this? What is it? What have I written? Uh, yeah, Disaster Artist. It's I wrote early, it. It's an early Oscar contender. Guys, stop calling Terrence Malick a disaster artist. <laughs> <laughs> Luke, give me a rundown of this movie, for those who don't know what this is. It's James Franco movie with Dave Franco starring in it. Like every, I thought every, James Franco starring in it. Well, with Dave Franco. They're okay. together. And then um, it's a James Franco movie. But uh, like Seth Rogen's in it, everyone's in it. Chad Apatow, I think, is even in it. But it's about the making of The Room, which if you haven't seen The Room, it is, I think, widely considered the worst film of all time. Yeah. It's made in Chicago. Outside uh, of Thanos. Tommy, Tommy Wasu, something like that. Tommy Wiseau. Yeah, and he, it's, it's hor- like, I, I went to film school and I remember in my screenwriting class them showing that movie as how not to write a screenplay. Like, it's just a garbage movie. Like, if you, if you look up clips on YouTube, it's laughable how bad this movie oh, is. Oh, hi, Mark. But yeah, <laughs> it's, but it's about the making of this movie. Um, but it uh, supposedly is supposed to be incredible. It's like, become legendary movie to sit around, especially here in Hollywood, and yeah. watch and laugh at. Yeah. And a lot of people think that Tommy Wiseau may be D.B. Cooper. If you guys know who D.B. Cooper is, he's this guy who robbed a bank. And then, uh, no, 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 this is not a joke. Not a joke. <laughs> Are you serious? I'm not kidding. Robbed a bank, got into a plane, had all the money, jumped out of the plane, with, stole a parachute, jumped out of the plane, and then it was never seen again. This is not a joke. I thought you were describing the uh, plot to Point Break. Sorry. <laughs> no. It's a true story. So, no, so like I'm not kidding. This guy, D.B. Cooper, disappeared. A lot of people thought that this was how Mad, Mad Men was going to end, is that John Hamm, or um, what the fuck was his name? John Don Hamm. Draper. Don, Don Draper. Draper. <laughs> I said John Hamm. Already. John Draper. So uh, <laughs> Don Draper was going to end up being D.B. Cooper, which would have been hilarious. Um, 
But a lot of people think that Tommy Wiseau may be D.B. Cooper because they don't even know how much how he had this money to f- fund this film. But I, I love the irony that the worst film ever made uh, <laughs> potentially could, like, making a film about that film could potentially be an Oscar winner. Yeah. Or a contender, at least. It makes well, sense because it must have been, yeah, yeah. been fucking crazy <laughs> making the film. And, like, James Franco, so weird that it's perfect yeah. right. that he's part of this thing because, like, he's just doing... You just, gotta watch yeah. some YouTube clips from the room. Just get it's, understand how bad shit wild. this movie is. Yeah, I read something where like uh, Seth Rogen was talking about making it, like in an interview after this came out, like a couple days ago, and apparently they came up with it when they were making the interview or whatever. And Seth Rogen was like, "This is the only good thing to come of the interview." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and finally, uh, we've got the Big Bang Theory back. Um, Thank God. Again. Finally. Because, I, I mean, <laughs> I know I wanted more. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, Big Bang Theory prequel has been announced. Um, and Ian Armitage uh, is cast as the young Sheldon. Well, as a studio executive, this is a no-brainer. Ian- Big, Big Bang Theory makes so much money. And oh, yeah. so has so many viewers. It's the highest rated what sitcom on television. Ian Armitage stretching is- that out. Ian Armitage is really interesting too. It's got a really cool story. He shit. Did I talk about this last week? No, I don't think so. No. So Ian Armitage uh, has this little. He had this little blog called Ian Loves Theater, and he would go watch Broadway plays and then review them. But he was like this really excitable little kid. It was really really cute. He like loved Hamilton. He wrote an alternate ending to Hamilton that was nicer where they didn't die and. Lin-Manuel Miranda and Leslie Odom Jr. performed it. This this just sounds like Lights Camera Jackson to me, and I hate that kid. The fuck is Lights Camera Jackson? That kid who uh, did all the movie reviews, and he was on, like, the Today Show, and then he tweeted that thing about Amy Schumer, and Amy Schumer, like, snapped Oh, that one. God, I do not like Amy Schumer, (laughs) because she was rude as fuck to that kid. Um, Totally out of line. It's this little kid. He's, like, a movie reviewer. Wait, no, he's not a little kid. He's, like, maybe, like, 16. He would do these movie reviews, and then he was on a red carpet... And he took a photo with Amy Schumer and was like... He said, like, love spending the night with you. Probably not the first guy to say that. And Amy Schumer, like, snapped at but him. She, but, <laughs> no, she was worse. She was super passive-aggressive. She goes, oh, yeah, great to meet you and your dad. Thanks. Like, thought better of you. Uh, and then he was like, oh, I'm so sorry. But it's like, hey, listen, if you're going to cultivate that persona, like, you're open to people making fun of that persona. He's not saying he fucked Amy know. Schumer. I don't like that kid at all. So yeah, I'm but, like, that... But that's a funny joke to make fun of her persona of, like, fucking tons of guys. It's like... When that's your whole thing, like, I think you're open to people making fun of that as well. Like, again, we talked about, like, Lisa Lampanelli before, how she, like, talks about... Have we uh, talked about Lisa Lampanelli No, we before? did. Oh, we did. Okay. Sorry, I've spoken about Wait, Lisa... Wait, I'm talking to you about Lisa yes, Lampanelli before? In a previous yes. conversation <laughs> yes. that was not recorded... That, that I don't even remember. So, Lisa Lampanelli... <laughs> how did we get from the Big Bang Theory no, no, just to Lisa Lampanelli? Hold on a second. Hold on a second. We'll, get, we'll get back there. We're going to go back to Ian Loves Bring Theater. it back. Bring it back. But Lisa Lampanelli talks about loving a fuck black dude, so at all the... Um, Comedy Central roast. They all make fun of her for loving a fuck black dudes. It's the same thing. Anyway, Ian loves theater, not Action Jackson or whatever the fuck this thing is. But it was really cute. And then he booked a gig on Big Little Lies. He is um, Shailene Woodley's son on Big Little Lies. He's cute. He's doing a good job. It's a dramatic role. Uh, but then he booked this. How old is he? He's probably eleven. Shailene Woodley is playing a character very young who has a daughter. Mother. She's I mean, her son. Oh, okay. She's a. I was gonna say. Yeah, Shailene. We can't. Spoiler alert. I can't tell you why, how she, the, she has Don't. the son, the young son is explained in the show, yeah. uh, but she's a young mother. Okay. What, what I love m- partly most about this podcast is it, is I get a good cross section of the way Jacob's mind works. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough up here, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. It was just amazing how it went from 
he had no idea what I was talking about. To he straight he straightened it out to nine different things. <laughs> okay, one, one thing. We went from Amy Schumer to Lisa Lampanelli. Oh wait, you know what? Uh, snatched. Speaking of Amy Schumer. <laughs> Yes. What snatch? Yeah. Snatched. I thought you were fucking with me. Sorry. No, snatched is the movie with her and Goldie Hawn in the trailer. Oh, that looks great. Uh, played before Get Out, which I finally saw this weekend. Um, I think Amy Schumer is a terrible actress, but I'm really excited to see Goldie Hawn. I love again. Goldie Hawn. Goldie Hawn's great. Love I don't get why too. she hasn't been in stuff. I don't understand. Yeah. I, well, Hollywood. There's actually a chart that was resurfaced the other day of um, it's Jennifer Lawrence, Emma Stone, and Scarlett Johansson's love interests in all of their movies and it shows their age compared with the age of their partner and they're always just like at least a 15 year gap yeah, with Jennifer well. Lawrence sometimes with Emma Stone there was a 35 year gap between her and Colin Firth guess who wrote that movie Colin it's Firth. Woody Allen oh, Woody Allen. oh sorry <laughs> <laughs> yes it's Woody Allen right um, that's a garbage movie so what's your theory on why that is like why is there such a gap because just, I think studio just... ex- studio execs or male authors who are older like to write themselves with younger women. And okay. then they're cast correctly for the script, but the scripts continue to involve older men seeing themselves in their lead characters. But isn't it like, also oh, about them to trying to... Woman. Sorry. Isn't it also them trying to, to, to sell tickets? And I'm not saying they're right in the way they're approaching it, but is it about, you know, the next big thing or, you know, and you know, you know what I mean? Like... No, because this is like tracking... It's, it's people that people know. You no, know? this is like Emma Stone's, like, already a star with Colin Firth in a movie where he's like 35 years older than her. Well, that's Woody right. Allen. That's one example. I don't think no. Woody Allen's an example of something no, but you the, can but do the, for the, that. Just movie, because Woody Allen is so bizarre. Right, but the movie previously, her co-star was like 20 years older than her. Like, it's not... But that's, but Emma Stone's are like a, a bankable star. You know what I mean? Like, they cast her in that... To make money. Because what the studio executives do fans, right? is they look at her previous movies and they say, okay, well, this made this much money, this made this much money. If we put her in this, we can expect exactly. around this figure. Right, right. But I what you're the saying is that, that there's Jacob no. is bringing up is the fact that you have Emma Stone and Jennifer Lawrence and Rooney Mara, and then where then where's like the next gap of like women who are 35 to like 60 until they're playing grandmothers and right. like right. where's that class of actress? I well, you have like, Nicole well, Kidman. Nicole Kidman's Nicole doing Kidman's really in well. Her late forties, early fifties. Oh, 50s. she's like fifties. But yeah. I, I, I mean, I agree with you. I, I'm, I'm just trying to nut it out, right? Right. As right. To why? This right? is just an issue I wanted to explore because the same thing can be applied, I think, to what you're talking about to Ghost in the Shell as to why people are cast in the movie. Like, I think the reason why Scarlett Johansson is cast in that movie is to justify the budget. Yeah, but I think, of that okay, movie. but that is a very different issue. Okay. That's like a Ghost in the Shell is like a race issue. Okay. This is just like a. Just Ageism. ageism. It's a very. I, I don't think there's any way to go about it. Talk about this issue that's not ageism. Whether it's ageism of studio executives yeah. or it's ageism of screenwriters who are don't want to write a part for like think it's gross but you when know, a woman in her 40s is involved in like a like th- where are the older a, where a are women where are women in their fucking 40s yeah. in movies at all right like you have Susan Sarandon doing like doing great work. You have Julia Roberts. Grandma. You have Meryl Streep. Yeah, but where, but... By the way, and those right. women are all very different ages, though. Right. Yes, yes. I'm just saying, I'm just talking of above age 30. Yeah. You I'm know, saying, or I mean, 40. But I'm saying if you go, if you break, sorry, Adrian, but if you break it down to like the, if you start listing off actresses in mm-hmm. comparison with actors, 
actors we can go on and on and on and on actresses every you single age bracket you can list like and that's what uh, that was the question that. i was trying to get to was like why is that but, but what i'd, be, I, what I'd I... be interested to see what I'd, I'd be really interested to see how the uh the screenwriter wrote the character at what age they were written and then how they appear in the finished product but what i because i i want to know i'd be interested whether it is that they don't want to write older characters or where that whether that transitions during the you know what Yes, Coming that's a good that's a good point. And but, but what I also think is that the reason we have a dearth of male a- or wait, no. dearth is a lack. Yep, a dearth of female actors in their thirties and forties is because we continually dump them for women in their twenties. Mm. So yes. we don't have actresses in their thirties and forties and fifties, a ton of them who are known because all of the movies are quote unquote requiring women in their twenties. So like if Emma Stone. Jennifer Lawrence and Scarlett Johansson are taking all the roles romantically with men in their 50s or 40s, then you don't have, then we're not going to have any women who are in their 30s or 40s in bigger roles. Like, I'd be interested to see what happens to Jennifer Lawrence in 15 years if they keep making movies with her. Yeah. Like, because or she'll drop, and then Lily James is going to get all of her parts. Right. You know? And that's what's going to happen. And this kind of, this kind of. Which is just. Fucking disgusting. Right. Like, in my opinion, it's totally. just unconscionable that that actually fucking happens. But it's also, it's lack of representation in terms of writing, where this is the this is why it's so great that Meryl Streep launches her screenwriting for women over 40. Because and Ava DuVernay, not, uh, because female directors. As being a writer myself, when I'm writing scripts, for the most part, a lot of times my main characters tend to be men, because that's what I know best. That's not to say I don't write female characters, but it just makes sense that there needs to be more avenues for female screenwriters to be able to achieve yeah. this too. But it's what, uh, who's the guy? Lee Daniels. It's Lee Daniels said he doesn't like to, it's similar to this, like what you were saying. Lee Daniels doesn't like to have, when he has shows about black people, he doesn't like to have white writers write for the black experience because it is going to, sometimes it's hard not to ring hollow or not to really compute. That's why Get Out, one of the reasons why Get Out is so good and Daniel, sorry, Daniel, Redcliffe. No, no, no. Stop. <laughs> Stern. S- can, Daniel Stern? No. What? What is Something the last name? K. It's Kunai, Kunuya, Kun- Something. Whatever. We know who you're talking about. Yeah. Just mumble off at the end of the no, name. No, no. It it's fuck. Daniel Kunuya. But no. like that's a, like why, why, did, <laughs> why, did, but, but, why did Jeff Nichols make Loving? Wait, hold like, on a Why did that have to be Jeff Nichols? Wait, but what I was going to say about D- Daniel Kun- fucking whatever, the guy, the star of Get Out, he said the reason why he it drew him so much is because he read it and he was like oh this is obviously written by someone who understands the black experience and understands how to write this and it couldn't be or not that it couldn't be but he's not surprised that it was written by you know jordan right right, right right whereas like but the, the the opposite of that is bad moms which is a fucking amazing movie about moms daniel kaluuya kaluuya he's that's great it. um bad moms written by two men um uh, and like Kristen bell even said in an interview like I was shocked when I read the script that it was written by two men, but they went and they interviewed their moms and like their friends' moms. So you can write to an experience that isn't yours, but it is really good that Meryl Streep has started that initiative. It is really good that Ava DuVernay is starting a like her initiative for all fe- like only female directors directed Queen or Sugar. Or even like a Paul Feig who has made it his mission right. a lot with the last few films Ryan to Murphy. female-driven films. Ryan Murphy's doing fucking amazing work for women in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. Like, 
I mean, yeah. So that I don't, I don't necessarily agree a hundred percent that you have to be a woman in your forties to write roles for women in your forties or vice no, but, versa. but you will get more roles for women in their forties if women in their forties start exactly. to become more successful as screeners. Like there's, only so many, there's only so many Todd Haynes. Like right, there's not right, enough right. people yeah. that are writing roles. Cool. Like there aren't enough Ryan Murphys to make enough TV shows that are actually women driven and women central. And right. also the, you know, it's tough sometimes for like for instance people had a problem with blue is the warmest color because they felt like it was a yes a story about lesbians but really the male gaze especially the sex scenes so like i it's really like that movie no i know i know but one of the criticisms was that as directorially it looked like it was from the male gaze right right so i i think uh just really fucking hope that <laughs> this shit stops how did we get here what were we talking i just brought about? it up Okay. It's brought apropos of nothing, as I do. Uh, like Adrian was mentioning, there's a lot going on up here. <laughs> <laughs> so, do we want to look at uh, box office? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can we can look up box office. That's Get out across a hundred million. That's awesome. That's big. I helped. I saw it. I did. <laughs> I did help as well. No, no, no. You but snuck I saw into it, it this though. weekend. <laughs> yeah. After seeing the shack. Why the fuck would I pay? <laughs> Obviously, I saw the shack. As a Jew, the shack is very interesting to me. <laughs> Shaq's a Jesus movie, just yes. in case anyone was curious. Is it? Yes. Yes. Absolutely a Jesus I movie. I don't know I, why Sam Worthington or Octavia Spencer made it. It's oh. a strange decision on their part. It's a very, very Jesus movie. Have you movie. ever looked at a Sam Worthington movie and been like, oh, it makes sense. Why? Oh, I guess Avatar. But No, the other one, the, um, the, Terminator? the one about Berlin. No. With him and Jessica Chastain and Helen Mirren, where they played. Miss Sloan? No. Yes. <laughs> yep, that was it. That's the one. He's Australian. I know that's. He is why I looked at you when I said Sam Worthington. Yeah, Ava- uh, oh Avatar two is delayed. It is delayed. Yeah. for two more years. Yeah, two more years. Yeah. Two more years. But the theme park's opening, so Scheduling thank God. issues, huh? Is he? Is James Cameron like stuck in the ocean or something? I <laughs> have no <laughs> idea. I have no idea what they're doing. He can't get his way out. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know about that. That's a little worrisome, but. Oh God! Do you have the? Yeah, I, have I do. But I've got what do we do without seat. another Avatar? But oh, here we go. I have. We've all doubted James Cameron when he was making Titanic, and it came out was the biggest movie of all time. We all doubted Avatar when the trailer came out. It was like, who are these blue people, this non-existing IP? And it became the biggest movie of all time. I think he knows what he's doing. Absolutely. James Cameron's proven time and time again. Yeah, it makes a movie in 3D. He makes a movie that that, that just audiences flock to. Terminator 2, Can't True Lies. Can't wait to see it in like six years. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's doing all of them. He's doing four movies right or three yeah three or four but he's filming them all at once oh. so they're doing all the motion capture for all four movies at the same time because he can get all the actors together to do the motion capture then they're going to go back and do the digital work oh wow as they come out that's going to that's be what interesting they're doing process so he's got four movies written and planned out which is why it's taking so long i wonder how they're just doing all the actors and writers and directors works for that because it's like you're getting paid for four movies. Yeah, but are you really, or do they have to budget it out in a way where like no. you'll get paid when this when the second movie comes out or when the third movie comes no, out? No, you're, you're, you're paid for time that you work. Like that's how it. Yeah. No, no, but that's he's how. saying in terms of budgeting, like if you're looking at like four features, right. and then you're looking at paying the actor their fee for each of those features. James Cameron gets a lot of money to make that movies. many actors. That's a fucking shitload of money without any capital from the previous movie that yeah. you've already made. Well, he made the biggest movie of all time. Yeah, Twice. I know. I, I, I know. So he can do whatever he wants, pretty much. The studio's going to give him any kind of money they want. And they're right. basically doing what Lord of the Rings did, which was, yeah. you know. Fuck it up. Hey, Lord of the Rings. Sorry, that said, was the Hobbit. The Hobbit. <laughs> which was, they filmed all three movies, but 
they did it all in, in one five-year span. Yeah, yeah. And they went back and did reshoots as they came out. So they were filming parts of part three while they were in the middle of one and, and doing things here and there while they yeah, were on location. Yeah, I mean, they finishing three, I think, uh, uh, like six weeks before the, it yeah. actually came out. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not irregular. It's just it keeps getting delayed, and it's like the same fucking thing where people were going around going, oh, James Cameron's Avatar's delayed again. It's going to be garbage. Well, I and just I'm think, like, well, it hasn't. We'll see. I think it would have been better for him not to have just run his mouth about it. Maybe yeah. just like make the fucking movie. He probably he's, needed to run the, his mouth to get some hype to get the money. Yeah. Maybe. He's the king of the world. All right. So speaking <laughs> of the king of the world. That's great. Kong Skull Island. How was that for a segue? Did we like it? I, I, it's good enough. Thank you. All right. So uh, we're looking at uh, the revenue, which is $61 million. Yep. Um, it's in 3,846 theaters. Mm-hmm. And With I'm a female sure, lead. Sure what I'm reading here. Um, this Don't is do first that to week. me. The total is $61 million. $61 million opening. Which is more than they expected, but it's still a weak opening for hey, a movie. Have you got the one caliber. up with, with how much the movie cost as well? It costs 130 uh, to make, and no. then 150, 50. 180 to make, 130 to market. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, and then you got underneath that Logan at 38.1 million. Okay. Um, but it's up to 152 or 153. Is that oh, Logan's second week? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. And then Get Out. It's in its, its third it, week. Is it 20.7, which is good great for its third week? It's only a 27 percent drop. It's called word um, of mouth, folks. Word of mouth. And it's up to 110. Well, 111, basically. Uh, then The Shack, crushing <laughs> it with 10. Solid. Just a 38% drop. Um, 32 million total. Uh, then Lego Batman, in its fifth week, is now at 158. 158 million, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and uh, you know, actually hitting figures. Still cracking the top 10. Same with John Wick. Two and La La Land somehow at ten, just fucking plaguing me for life. <laughs> uh, uh, you know what? <laughs> Sorry, wait. This is funny. The Mets broadcast of La Traviata uh, cracked in there as well and made number nine, one point yeah. eight million dollars. One point eight million dollars. <laughs> That's fucking weekend. great, man. Uh, I think it's any surprise that Kong was going to win the weekend. Um, I keep getting reviews from both sides. Some people saying... A lot of I, actors really like it. I keep it. hearing, like, yeah, it's amazing, it's the best one, and then I keep hearing, eh, it's not... Well, it's a fucking... It's a Kong movie. I, I don't think it's, like... I don't think it's separated itself enough. Like we were talking about with Logan and Deadpool, I think that Kong Skull Island is... It appears as though it's a pretty standard yeah. monster movie. I love the cast, though. I mean, Brie little, Larson, little, John Goodman, a little Samuel over Tom Jackson, Hiddleston, though. Tom Hiddleston, yeah, I don't get the hype. I don't either. I also watched the night. I've watched everything he's been in. I watched the night manager. Did not interest me. <laughs> Sorry about that pause. So it was a good pause. Um, was it? What oh, are we looking at um, for next weekend? Uh, next weekend. It's a great question, Brian. It is. I'll, I'll, I'll get it. Hold on a second. Beauty and the Beast. Beauty song and the Beast song. and Song we to Song. We talked about Song to Song. You gonna go see Beauty and the Beast? Nope. I think I might. I'm gonna go see it. Yeah, I think I'm gonna see it. Nope. I'm gonna wait. Um, I was it a big, huge, huge, huge fan of Jungle Book. Huge fan. Yeah. But for some reason, the trailer of this, I don't know. The, Did the, you like the, the first Beauty and the Beast? Yeah, it was fine. As it's in a cartoon. the cartoon? Yeah. It was it's fine. It's yeah, movie. it's a good movie. Yeah. It was fine. Um, Wait, I think hold the, up. Hold up. I think Beauty and the Beast fucking, is, that's a fucking yeah, great movie. Yeah, I think it's a great movie. movie. Yeah, it's great. Nominee, great. It's a great. Beauty and the Beast is pretty cool. What is it? It's a bit weird. Menken? Is that his name? Wrote the music? Yeah. He's a fucking genius. Alan Menken is a fucking genius. I, he wrote some new stuff too. Yeah, yeah, he's great. And I think um, they'll probably put Human again 
into it. So Human Again was cut from the original Beauty and the Beast, then they put it into the Broadway show, and it's a really good song. Like, there's a version of it sung by, like, Jerry Orbach and everyone from the original cast, like Angela Lansbury. What are our thoughts think, on Emma, Emma Watson? I think those? she's great. I think she's great. Really? I think she's great. I think, and then they got Dan Stevens. Dan Stevens from, is a really good. Who I think is like, great. Well, wait, wait, wait. wait. He's the dude from me, Downton Abbey. He's the dude from The Guest. If you were going to give me Kira Knightley Legion. and Emma Watson, I'd pick Emma Watson, right? Uh, no. <laughs> wait, wait, hold up, hold <laughs> wait, up. What are we talking about? Can we unpack this? Why are we giving you Kira Knightley yeah. and Emma Watson? They're very just, similar. They'd be up I'm for the same thinking, roles. Yeah, wait, wait, what? No, this is wait, stop. Wait, 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 wait. This comes back. This Hold on. This comes back to the same problem. Kira Knightley and Emma Watson are not up for the same roles. Kira Knightley is like 15 years older than Emma Watson. That's the problem that we're talking about. Well, no, I'm just see when I think of Kira Knightley, Emma Watson, I think I think of her in Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean, which came out 15 years ago. No, I know, but but I just this is really that's, that's the only way I reference. But her, this is really great. I was like British young. Stop! This is really great timing that this we're we're coming up on this problem because this is it. Kira Knightley and Emma Watson should never be up for the same role if an age is ever mentioned because. Emma yeah, Watson no is that age. Emma Watson I just thought it was a random thing that age. Twenty five. <laughs> but he's like, give me a Kira Knightley. Well, no, I'd like say we had said like, anything no. about her. They're I literally know. five years apart. Get out of here! How old is Kira Knightley? Thirty one. Anyway, very long. Emma Watson twenty six. <laughs> the bomb drop of Kira Any, Knightley. Anyway, my point is, she's like, so young. Yeah, but still, thirty one and twenty six, not the same. I disagree. <laughs> I think it's the same. I would see them up for the same role. I mean, my role. casting range as an actor was about eight years when I was like that young, but now it's a little, <laughs> a little tighter. But you know. Anyway, I mean, Emma Watson, I think will be fine. I saw a clip of her. Great. I think she'll be great. I think uh, the characters in the film look a little weird to me. Then look it a little odd. Kind of messy. I yeah. Don't know. I'm interested to see it on a bigger screen. Like on a little screen, I'm like, whoa, there's a lot happening in that yeah. image there. Yeah, we'll so see. So I'm interested as to see an, it on a bigger who screen. Who directed it? Bill Condon. Okay. Yeah. Okay, right? I'll watch it. Yeah. He did. Yeah. Wait. Gods and Monsters. No, I'm wrong. Dan think, Condon. No, no, no. I think I'm it's wrong. It's Bill Condon. Hold on, we'll figure Gods it out. Gods and Monsters. Talk about the characters. No, didn't he do? Who directed well, Chicago? What I, uh, what I think he is, wrote Chicago. He didn't direct Chicago. I think it's Condon him. wrote Chicago. He didn't direct it. And he fucked up Rent. Have right? you, have no, no, no. That was Jonathan. No, I was going to say Jonathan Larson. Uh, Chris Columbus. Oh. I really think that it's Bill Condon. Bill Condon, yeah, that would make sense. He did Chicago and Dreamgirls. No. This is really great podcast stuff, guys. Yes. Um, I just had a quick thing I wanted to offer. The How people are really upset about the, the homosexual yeah, character in, in Beauty and the Beast. It's fucking bestiality. Exactly. And then, and then, and then someone like sent out a meme about, you know, it's, upset she, it's, about this, but uh, you're talking fucking about... Sto- it's Stockholm Syndrome. That's the whole fucking movie. Right, right, right. It's ridiculous. It, how to best make someone fall in love with you. Kidnap their dad sacrifice she said sacrifice herself tell her you read books and then make her dance with you and turn into a human easy <laughs> fucking easy yeah. is it bill condon yeah oh, is that right okay yeah bill condon um doesn't usually happen i don't know the only thing you i don't write right I, and wrong <laughs> no i said bill condon you're like bill condon no wait no <laughs> yeah i think that's a controversy that doesn't need to be a controversy Russia's not showing Anymore. it because it's a gay no, character. Also, it doesn't need to be a controversy. Also, if you guys have, if everyone, I'm assuming everyone here has seen Beauty and the Beast, LeFou's fucking gay from the get-go. You don't need to identify it. Dude sings a song about how much he loves the how strong and beautiful that another man is. Like, he's in love with Gaston. That's his character. I don't think they. I don't think they needed to like explicitly make him gay. There's no reason to do that. Like. Well, it's it's kind of like saying that Dumbledore's gay after everything's been done already. It's like, of course Dumbledore was gay, but was he? Right. Who cares? 
I think that'd be more of Disney trying to make a social statement. Like, we've got a, you know, a gay character. It's the first gay character on screen. Well, the first explicitly gay character. There have been tons of gay characters in Disney, just not out of the closet. Right, 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 right. Um, I, yeah, I mean, for me, I don't... Is it actually a big deal how many people are actually boycotting Yeah, people are upset about it. Uh, it's like a, it's, a, it's a one drive through theater in, I think, Alabama. <laughs> one drive through theater <laughs> One drive-in theater in Alabama oh refuses God. to show it, and it became a big news article. Right. But I'm sure there are plenty of people in and the middle of America of who are like, uh, fuck these gays. <laughs> in all of Russia. <laughs> yeah. Fuck LeFou. <laughs> not if you're a man. Well. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Beauty and the Beast versus Kong. Beauty and the Beast. No, what's going to win? Oh, oh, Kong, I think. You think Kong's going to take Beauty it in week two? What, box office? I think Beauty and the box Beast Box office. Win. I think Beauty and the Beast 2. I, I think do it too. is I too. Think Beauty, and the Beast Beauty and the Beast 2. Beauty and the Beast 1 isn't even out yet. <laughs> I actually, Zing. I, uh, you know what? I changed my mind. Song to song. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's got that big positive word of mouth so, from you. Uh, no, it's should, only opening in, I think, should, probably New York and LA. It should go straight, it should go straight to Netflix, to Luke's Q. Where the nice niche movies are. <laughs> I finished Love in like a day, so I need something else. Love is so fucking it's good. It's so good. Have I gotta you, get on that bandwagon. It's so good. It's, it's season two is like sorry. way better than season one, and season, and season one is pretty good. good. Pretty good. John yeah. Apatow's hitting his stride right now. Yeah, absolutely. And he's like still doing stand up. Speaking of Apatow, last night's girls or the Sunday night's oh, girls good, was amazing. Good, yeah. Good. Really, really good episode. Crashing really good last night too. John Apatow's amazing right now. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, think this is the best season of Girls. How many shows have ever had their best season as their final? Well, season? Well, hold on, Let's, Parks and Rec. We're, 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 like three four, we're three or four episodes in. Let's give it a minute. How many shows have had their best <laughs> season as their last season? Parks and Recreation was really good at that. Yeah, I'm just saying it's pretty Six rare. Feet most, under? most most shows. Seinfeld, Mash, Mash. Oh yeah, that good that call. final episode of Seinfeld was really acclaimed. Well, don't judge um, the whole season by the last one. <laughs> <laughs> the seventy-five minute episode. Uh, but no, I think Girls is great. Yeah, I think yeah. like, do you watch Girls? No, no, it's great. I, I mean, I watched the first season and then I kind of got it, and then I was like, watch something else, and then I didn't get back to it. <laughs> I think Girls is really, really good because it's it's a really good payoff too. This season is very much like you've been here the whole time. We don't need to explain their flaws; you know them already, so we can kind of show them in. They're full. Exactly. Yeah. Right. By the way, another. Watch, watch crashing. Like seriously, it's it's getting really good. Okay, Dad. And it's can we? No. But um, it's it's it like last night's episode was really good. Okay. And it's really well written. And Pete Holmes is like this becoming a better Pete, actor. Pete, if you're too. listening, so can, can we Luke is in love of, with you. Just for those who don't know, uh, Judd Apatow. Um, oh, what has he done? Forty, year, 40 year old Go. virgin. Uh, Freaks and Geeks. Funny people. Yeah, a lot of great television that he's this been is behind. 40. So Freaks and Geeks, Undeclared, Girls. Um, Undeclared is like a, Undeclared is good It's not um, as good as Freaks and Geeks Yeah but directing wise He directed Knocked Up 40 Year Old Virgin He directed this Funny is 40. People This is 40 He's one of the he's best produced, comedy He's produced pretty much everything Rogan's done Jason Siegel's yeah. done He's he's really good about getting behind people And pushing them Yeah he, meant, he mentored them Like he t- at, When Freaks and Geeks started to get, Was gonna get So Freaks and Geeks Started the careers of a lot of Really <laughs> important people uh, Jason Siegel Seth Rogen Franco Franco um, Amy nope. Schumer No Liz, Liz, Liz. Oh, oh. She wasn't on Freaks and Geeks though. What's um, Lizzie Kaplan was on it too. The, what's the uh, the main girl on that? Main and she. She's yeah. on, she was on Mad Men. I forgot her. Oh, then, um, 
fucking yeah. Know. And then also the the kid is really Linda cool. Linda Cardellini. Yeah. Martin Stars in that. Martin Star? Sam Levine's in that. Mm-hmm. Yep. The kid who I can't remember his name, but he went to be he's a writer now. Like yeah. he wrote like horrible he, bosses and stuff. He wrote um the shitty vacation movie. Yeah. Yeah, um, he's got a lot of balls in the air. I don't know if there's... By the way, can I tell you a really funny story? <laughs> yeah, please. Okay, so I was talking to my dad. Be by really the way, funny once again, my dad, really big fan of this podcast. Thanks for listening. Um, thanks, 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 you, Dad. I guarantee you he's got a thanks, big dad. smile on his face. <laughs> right now. Um, but because he listened the whole way through. But he... <laughs> Maybe there should be first, a new segment where we... Thank give a shout out. We yeah, thank yeah. Mr. Gansman. But Hollywood, Hollywood and Wine, the first episode that we did was the Oscar podcast. Right. And we get into this argument where we're talking about how none of the movies have like happy endings or whatever. Like it's all like sad, right? And depressed, right? And you mentioned how like Moonlight actually had a happy ending, right? Yeah, it's got a, a hope. There's a, there's a light. My dad goes, my dad goes, and he's like, Adrian had a great joke and no one laughed at it, and it was that Moonlight had a happy ending, <laughs> and I realized that it went all over all of our heads. <laughs> you literally said Moonlight had a happy ending and no one batted an eyelash at it, <laughs> and I was like, Dad, I don't think he thought that was a joke. I think he just said that legitimately thinking it was a happy ending. Well, I mean, it, it was a layered comment. It was but I was just like, just picture me in North Hollywood in the laundromat, my dad saying that to be me realizing and me just like laughing my ass off. <laughs> All right, so uh, we've clocked an hour. I think we're good. Do we want to talk about? Do we want to do that thing where we end with a yeah a I movie think we that, that we love that nobody else? Or what do we do? Yeah, we, we can do like a recommendation or something. A recommendation, or a movie that you love, and you could do both. A movie that you love that everyone hates, and a movie that you want to recommend. That sounds great. Uh, don't start with me. You got to start because you're the one who brought it up. Um, nope. Nope. Um, my recommendation is Leftovers. Watch that. It's really good, and, and and it's only three seasons. Uh, the third one isn't even out yet, so you got time to catch up now, um, and just get through season one. Season two is amazing. Get you hyped for season three. It, you just just beware. It's so so fucking bleak. Like it's Game of Thrones bleak. No, I think it's way fucking bleak. <laughs> I, Game of Thrones people are dying, but this is like just really sad, morose people. Oh, I love that. Just it's like, so great. Just like the pressure is just pushing them down. And the whole series is based around the lead actor Justin Thoreau, who Justin plays Thoreau. The, the, the the sheriff of this town, and he's got so much coming at yeah, him. Yeah, it's from fucking all shit. Just fucking like angles. he just like blacks out all the time and fucking has no idea where he is. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. I'm into it. Uh, oh, my was he one of those blackouts when he wrote 200 too? Absolutely. <laughs> um, my uh, my recommendation is Fleabag on Amazon. It's really fucking good. It's Phoebe Waller Bridge. She is really fucking funny, and it's dark and it's sad, but super self deprecating, and it's um, breaks the fourth wall, which is cool. So she'll talk to the, the camera sometimes, and she is just a huge fuck up and. She's someone to watch for sure. She's in. Is that a show? She's in the Han Solo movie. Yeah. Okay. It's a show on Amazon. Okay. Cool. Cool. Loop. Uh, movies I recommend. Um, I'm just gonna recommend a movie. One. A, I'm gonna do two instead of doing a movie that I because it's the same director. Just okay. do it. Um, I'm just gonna do a shout out to someone who I think is an amazing director who is very under appreciated, which is Josh Radner, who is the actor from How I Met Your Mother. Which, by the way, we talked about drama high last week which he was just cast in but he made two really great movies one called happy thank you more please um the other one called liberal arts i think liberal arts is on netflix i don't know about happy thank you more please they're two really good understated new york drama uh like indie drama comedy things i just think they're really good i think they're funny i think they're i can't believe that they don't have an audience like they should like (laughs) i don't get how nothing against zach braff i like garden state 
he became such like this amazing like oh he's an India tour from Garden State. I think that these movies are better than both of Zach Braff's. Oh, but in all fairness, like it didn't pan out that well for him for Zach, Zach Braff. Braff. I think he's doing great. He's got a big movie coming out. Yeah, not a big with, movie. Well, It'll be a big movie. I see him Baywatch. That big. <laughs> what? That's Zach Efron. Oh. Zach Braff. Zach, oh, Zach Braff. He, yeah, Zach Braff has the, yeah. what is what is it called? Going in style. Going in the, going out in style. Yeah. With Morgan Freeman, Michael Caine, and I've Alan Arkin. Yeah. No, no, no. This is the Come first on, you've heard you of it? You have to have seen a trailer. No. Morgan Freeman, Alan Arkin, uh, Michael Caine decide to rob a bank because they lose all their pensions. Oh, I've seen But this. regardless, Garden State also Oh, so it's Las is, Vegas. It, Hold it, up. With now. Michael Douglas. Hold up. Yes. Garden State's like a cult classic, though. Like that's a movie people talk about. It's like yeah. a great independent film. Yeah, yeah. And these yeah. movies don't have that yeah. audience. Yeah. Sorry, I just wanted to argue with you. Um, I know. I, uh, my my recommendation would be probably. I've been watching a lot of Bob Ross at the moment on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. It's calming, right? It's really good. Happy little trees. Hey, we we lead busy. <laughs> Busy, stressful lives. And if you want to take some time this out... Is a, this is a good time to, re- to remind Adrian to please return my pipe whenever you get a chance. If you want to take you know, a, a moment just to relax and uh, hear some soothing dulcet tones coming out of Bob Ross and him painting a nice, a nice um, landscape, it's, it's lovely. I can't fucking believe you. Bob Ross. <laughs> Seriously, I didn't know who Bob R- Ross was until I accidentally watched it the other day. <laughs> you didn't oh, even know? So you turned it on? Yeah. Hold on. So you didn't know anything about Bob <laughs> we Ross? We don't have Bob Ross in Australia. You're we like, don't know oh, who the fuck he is. Fuck, here's a guy painting. I gotta watch this. Well, no, it started. I was like, what's this? This is silly. <laughs> I mean, it started. It's not, it's just, it's not TV. You have to click on it. <laughs> no, I didn't know what it was, so I clicked on He's it. Like, here's a guy who's got a nice afro. <laughs> Seems like a really good guy. He's some painting his trees. He's always got animals. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I bet this is, I bet this is just the intro. I bet he just starts painting and then he gets into the real show. And then suddenly you're fucking seven hours in and I've just been watching so many happy trees. Fifteen landscapes later. I was like, well, it's morning. The whole whole Pacific Northwest goes by. You know how geeks at like the Danny Boyle retrospective? Can we do like the Bob Ross (laughs) retrospective? Just describe the paintings like we're Stephen Root. In, uh, that's a get out. I like the one with the mountain that was in the background. Reference. That's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite episode. Oh gosh! All right. Anyway, it's uh, it's a good Bob fucking Ross. It's good. Um, and oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, on that note, let's uh, shall we shall we, <laughs> shall we bring it to a close? Yeah, yeah, any, has anybody it. got uh, some like social media handles of any sort that they can be contacted on? I don't know if you guys tweet. Your Twitter? Uh, I, I, I have a Twitter, but it's mostly just retweeting. His a is lot only retweeting. Like Mine really is embarrassing. every so nine days. I mean, like I'll tweet something. <laughs> well, you know what? You should. You should follow my dog on Instagram. Um, what's, what's the handle? The, the handle for my dog is Lincoln Blog. L I N C O L N B L O G. He's got a great, great Instagram. I post sometimes. All the Sorry, time. you post. He posts sometimes. Uh, well, I, I can, we can say our Twitter handles. Yeah, right? go. Mine is oh shit. So the whole idea, out. guys, is if you're listening, if you have any questions, if you want to interact with us somehow, yeah. tweet at us, ask us a question. If there's a topic you want us to cover, you can do find that. me. You can find me on Friendster. I'm at Hotmail. <laughs> I'm <laughs> on my. I'm on MySpace. Uh, my Instagram handle is h or at whatever h e n c o u g h. Mine is Luke Gansmo on Instagram and Twitter. 
You should spell It'll it say out. Lucas. You should spell it it's out. It's L-U-K-E. Mine's I'm just kidding. G-A-N-S-M-O-E. Um, yeah, that's why I always say Luke when you put it in the description. Not yeah, Lucas. It still sounds like, I bet when you're like a big writer, your name on the scripts will be Lucas Gansmother. I the third. I doubt it. It sounds artier. <laughs> Lucas Gansmother. BJ Lyles, what's you? Uh, it's it's at BJ. No, it's not. It's it's at Lyles13. It'd be great if you got the you're the first one to get at BJ. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but get us. You know, you know, I, I like this idea of, of of you know, send us some notes. What do you guys want to hear about? What what issues would you like us to discuss? Um, you're just setting like up my dad feedback. tweeting at you guys. Let's get it. <laughs> Let's get it, Mr. Gansmo. Yeah, hit us up. Uh, and mine's uh, <laughs> mine's. Uh, By the way, can I mention too that the way that we found out of that our last podcast was up was because my dad texted me. I was like, "Great, latest podcast." <laughs> <laughs> um, so mine's uh, at Adrian underscore old A U L D is old. Just so you know. Also, check out our other podcasts, of course, that are all coming out through Geeks. So if you search Geeks, you'll see a whole bunch of different things. Danny Boyle, Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, I think we got Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, Elm Street? Is that what it's called? Elm Street. Elm Street uh, coming up. And uh, also, We Are Tessellate. Uh, we Are Tessellate. All one word. Tessellate is T-E-S-S-E-L-L-A-T-E. <laughs> all right. Uh, thank you very much, gentlemen. It's been a pleasure. And uh, thanks for listening. Fuck, here's a guy painting. I gotta watch this. <laughs> 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 <laughs>